Good evening, family. Thank you for being here. Thank you for worshiping with us. We believe that when the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit breaks down the barriers of language, culture, ethnicity, and generation. That's what, see, that's what we see in the book of Acts in chapter 2. He came and something amazing happened. All the barriers that we thought was there was starting to um, break down. And I think that's something that the world cannot bring. They, we, we could talk about unity all day long. But when the Holy Spirit moves, he elevates our unity in, in a way that is just sublime, that is just new, that is heavenly. That's what we pray for. And as we come together um, as GCCK and Chantilly, Sterling and all the campuses together, and in, in August too, or September, we're going to have um, GCC a, a Latino leading the 715 as well. May the Spirit of God speak to you, not through only language, but in your heart and in your spirit as well. You know, I grew up in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is, is a melting pot for sure. Just many different languages spoken at once. And there are many moments that I'll be confused about the language. Is that Chinese? Or is that English? Is that Korean? Because sometimes I wouldn't know what language they're speaking, and I couldn't fully understand but I, more and more, I, I serve the Lord in that capacity as well. I found out that the Spirit of God moves over, surpassing, beyond language. Because He's a God above language. He speaks through the Spirit, and may you have that blessing. May we share that blessing as a church. Um, through the month of June, I'd love to share with you a, a series called, um, do we have a screen or... There you go. Not, not that. The series. You know why I'm asking? Because I just forgot the name of the series. <laughs> Do you remember what it was, Pastor David? Yeah, moving forward. That, that, was, you, you, that was it. Because you preached on that, and you didn't even name it yourself. I didn't have, I didn't have a title. It was my fault. Okay. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't have a title. And I was listening to him speak, and I said, God, that is so good. We ought to expand on that. And God said, yeah, you should expand on that. No, I said, you should expand on that. No, I, he said, no, you should expand on that. <laughs> okay, Lord. So that's where I, I got the name of the series. Now, I, I forgot, but thank you for reminding me. It means to move forward. And this is what he said. He said, I know as we enter this summer and this season of vacation, it's okay. Take your break. Go on a trip, and that's fine as well. However, spiritually, we want to move forward. We don't want to move backward because, you know, you, we think we're stagnant, but we don't, we're, not, we're never stagnant in our spirituality. We're taking a step back. So unless you choose to move forward, touch your neighbor and say, move forward. The other neighbor and say, move forward. You're going to move backwards. So let us move forward together. That's what we want to talk about. Tonight, I want to talk to you about moving forward from lack. And the title of the message is Lack into Overflow. Not lack into filled, but overflow. The passage is John 2, verse 9 to 11. 요한복음 2장 9절에서 11절, 혹시 한국말로 보기 원하시면 보시겠습니다. John 2, 9 and 11. And if you just understood what I said and you're not Korean, see, the Spirit of God is moving. I said John 2, 9 to 11. <laughs> Let me read for you. When the master of the feast tasted the water now became wine and did not know where it came from, though the servant 
had, who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to this room, in this place. Not that you're not here, but again, our expression of willful welcome. Say, God, have your way. You're our Lord. You're our master. Speak to us. Because whenever you speak, life is breathed into us. Even the dry bones, they can start to worship you and serve you. So that's what we ask. Spirit of God, come and speak and move. The demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit is what we ask. Not the wisdom of men, but your spirit. It is in your name we pray. Amen. A lot of us know the story about Jesus turning water into wine. But as we study the passage further, we'll find that he didn't just turn water into wine, but really lack into overflow. Not water into just wine. Not something to something different. But lack, something that we did not have into abundance or overflow. 성령님이 우리 가운데 역사하실 때 우리 가운데 그냥 물을 포도주로 바꾸시는 변화 역사만이 아니라 없는 데서 충만함과 풍성함으로 바꾸십니다. I was taking a road trip from here to New York once and I was driving and as some of you are that way with me. When you're driving, you gotta listen to your favorite music. For me, 90s and you too. And some bands and music that I cannot share with you because I don't want to stumble you, but some of you share those music with me. I'll listen and I'm, I'm excited. I'm just driving. And I fail to see the sign from my Camry saying, 10 miles, 10 miles. I'm running out of gas in 10 miles. You better feed me is what the Camry was trying to say. I was super excited. I was dancing and singing, so I missed it. And, and it's, it, later it says, one mile or three miles. And I was like, oh, okay, I got you. I need to feed you. Three miles left. But for me, I'm very particular when it comes to gas stations when I'm driving. Because I think you would understand. I would like clean restrooms. <laughs> so would you. And I would like to be tempted some good fast food. Because I'm driving. Oh, man, I got to reward myself. I've been driving for two hours. Ooh, that beef jerky. Come on. Donuts? Okay, today you're allowed. You've been driving. You're going to drive two more hours. You need that sugar? Come on. Come on. You can do it. So I, I give myself the liberty. So I'm, I'm kind of picky about my gas station and driving by. And I cannot find the gas station that I'm looking for. All these names that I don't know. So I'm like, okay, not that one. And my Camry's now screaming at me. Zero miles. Zero miles. Now it's a threat. He's basically saying, my Camry is starting to say, if you don't feed me right now, you'll be walking soon. <laughs> so I find myself going, okay, I got to find a gas station. And I find the one that I love. And I pull right in. You know, for some of us, a lot of us, we run low in our spirit. And a lot of times your soul is screaming at you saying, hey, you got to feed me right now. You're running on fumes right now, and soon you won't be able to even walk. Your heart is often saying, you're feeling empty. You're hurt. You can't go on. You can't love anymore. You don't have that ability 
Sometimes even your body is saying, man, you just need to sleep more or eat better. Or could you please, could we please exercise a little bit? And it begs you, can we have a little bit more energy? We often find ourselves in that place. And when we look at the verse, verse 3, it says this, when the wine ran out. Can you all say ran out? The mother of Jesus said to him, Jesus, they have no wine. They have no wine. I love how moms talk. They suggest. They don't command. She's not like, make wine. She's more like, they don't have wine, baby. (laughs) Moms are like that. And you're like, yes, mom, what do you need? (laughs) Okay, and you got to go to the store. And I I don't know how this happened, but I'm just, in my my imagination, my holy imagination, I, I, you know, like, I'm sure Jesus was the perfect boy and and Mary would send him to, you know, many different, Mary would send him to different, many different errands, right? And I'm sure he would be like, okay, what do you need? Oh, we just need some fish. It's like, I have some in my pocket right here. Let's pull it out. Oh, we don't have enough for my brothers, James? Okay, more right in the back pocket and pull more out. So I, 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 I believe Mary knew that Jesus could do this because she pro- he probably has done it before. And she could see that he could do it again. And she had that faith. So all she had to do was suggest, we don't have wine. Some of us just, we need to go to God. God, I don't have much left. I'm running on fumes. It's so funny sometimes. When we need God the most, we kind of walk away from God. And we're like, let me fix myself first. Let me fill myself up first. And then let me go see you, God. I find that, I find that interesting as a pastor as well. A lot of, or some members would leave or fall away from faith, and we all do. And if you're here from, in, that, in that way, from, you know, and if you find yourself in that way, welcome, to, welcome home, and I'm glad you're here. However, they're like, Pastor, I can't talk to you right now. I really can't talk to you. I'm in a bad way. And I'm like, that's why you need to talk to me right now. I think that's why we need to connect. That's why I think this is the reason why I need to love on you and be faithful as we meet together, we often just say, yeah, I don't know. We don't have enough of our time. Maybe that's where you find yourself right now. We don't ha- I don't have enough time anymore, God. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough love. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough understanding. I don't have enough health. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough money. Last December, I was praying and I was serving. You know, GCC Korean, we've now been planted for a year and two months, leading into three months. So we have been planting, so it's been early stages of church plant. So I felt like I was running in fumes. I was at a retreat. I was preaching at a retreat, serving at a retreat as well. And I was praying. I didn't know what to pray for. So, though I, in my soul I knew what I needed, I didn't want to pray that out to God. I don't know why. I was just praying. And the Lord said, June, what is it that you want? I said, God, bless them, bless them, move through them, move through them. No, no, what do you want? God, bless our church. He's like, no, no, what do you need? What do you want? And I said, God, I really want to have overflow. I don't want to give out of the scraps. I want to give out of the overflow. And the Lord said, then why don't you ask? Why don't you ask for overflow? Why are you afraid to ask for overflow? 
Because you want to walk in overflow, so why would you not ask for it? And I said, God, yes, please, I want overflow. And I started asking for overflow. Some of you in this room, you need to start asking for overflow. Because you, you're, you're, you're striving for survival, and that's great, but that's not where he wants you to be. That's not where salvation ends. That's not what resurrection does. He wants to take you to a place where you're overflowing so you could feed many and win the city. Out of lack, out of lack. And when we ask for overflow, God gives overflow in two different ways. Verse 6, this is what we find. Jesus just doesn't make wine. He makes abundance. Verse 6, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. A lot of times we read that, you're like, oh, a lot of numbers. And in the Bible, you don't think about it. But can we think about it? Stay there for, for a while. So 20 to 30 gallons, six of them. That's 120 to 180 gallons. Do you know how much water that is? You probably have been drinking one of these water bottles. It will be 2,400 of these water bottles. 2,400 of these. Jesus made them just like that. That was a homage to Endgames, but if you haven't watched it, <laughs> praise God. I'm sorry. I've been hanging out with Pastor David too long, too much. That's, um, I know that's where it comes from. Or in, in this today, in this, in this measurement of the wine bottles that you would see in, in a store, it would be 800 bottles of wines that Jesus made, 800 bottles of wines. You know, when we take shower, each shower, it will be about uh, 15.8 gallons of water, 15, 10 to 15 minutes of shower. I know, ladies, maybe you take longer than 15 minutes. For most guys, 10 to 15 minutes should be the length. If it's shorter than that, I worry for you and your hygiene. <laughs> That's the amount of water that you could take, or wine, that you could take 10 showers with. If you let that wine run, it would run for 1.5 or 9 1.5 hours or 90 minutes that's the amount that we're talking about so why is that verse 6 in there to show that when you ask god for something he is jesus is happy to say you asked for wine let me ask let me give you a quantity i'm not just going to provide for you i'm going to give you an overflow quantity and then it leads to say quality as well Verse 10, 9 to 10. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. Can you all say good wine until now? That's our faith. That's our walk with God. It is better tomorrow. The best is yet to come. Your best is not yesterday. Your best is not that retreat. Your best is not that conference. The best for you is about to come. Isn't that what resurrection is about? When Christ resurrected, it was a miracle that was never done before. The best was yet to come. Isn't that what new heaven and earth is all about? When you see and when you wait for that to come, it will be new heaven and new earth. It will be better than ever before. The best is yet to come. You know, when I was um, studying theology early in my days, I thought the best is yet to come was in the Bible, probably in the book of Joshua. Is that something that sounds like, you know, Joshua would say, the best is yet to come. Be strong and courageous. The best is yet to come. No, it's a song that Frank Sinatra sang. 
I was wrong. However, it's so true. The best is yet to come for you. The best is yet to come for you and me. A lot of the lies that Satan gives us is through what we did in the past. And as you study further, you find yourself that especially when there's a, please hear me, sexual falls or mishaps that you might have in the past, Satan would say something like this, you're ruined. Or any big mistake that you made in the past, you'll say, hey, you're done for. Man, you're messed up. You would hear that over and over, and you say, you know, I can't, be, I can't be restored to my fullest place. But rather, I want to submit to you, church, that that's a lie from the Satan. When the resurrecting power of Jesus comes on you, the best is still yet to come for you. There's someone in this room or listening under, under, the voice, under my voice right now. You feel like, man, I, I ruined it. Come on. I missed my best. I messed up my best. The Lord is saying, no, your best is me. Ezekiel 37, God asked this question to Ezekiel. Son of man, can these bones come alive? Dry bones. Not just dead bones, but dry bones. It's been dead for such a long time. Maybe that's your past. Maybe that's your spirit. Maybe that's what you feel in your soul. And this is what the Lord said. I will make, I will, I will make breath enter you. Then tendons, flesh, and skin start to come in place. And verse 6, I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Our Lord, our God, the resurrected king, and this is the resurrection power, can bring back dead things, not only dead things, dry bones to say it's a vast army now. That's our power. That's, that's the power of Jesus Christ and the, and the resurrected power that you and I share in it. That's your inheritance. So all the lie to say, you know what, you're, you're, you messed up, you, you, your best life is now messed up. No, that's not true. The best is, is yet to come. The best is yet to come for you. And from that, this is the prayer that I often pray. Let me just share that prayer that I wrote down in my journal. I pray that when I'm 75, my love for the church and his kingdom and the lost will be deeper and wider than I am right now. When I'm 85, I'll be more in love with my wife than when I was at 25 when I first fell in love with her. You should clap for that, by the way. And I'm going to miss you. <laughs> Lastly, when I stand before the throne at the end of my life, my love for Christ would be purer and more passionate than when I was 15 when I first fell in love for him. I think you and I can pray that prayer. I'm not talking about abundance of just life. Though God loves to give abundance, He's a rich daddy, and he likes to be abundant to you. He's a very generous God. However, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is your soul. Your life might be hard, but contentment and joy and hope and peace and faith could overflow out of that. And growth and blessing and peace can be with you. 
and you're stronger, you're more mature, and you love others and God deeper every day. Your tomorrow is better than today. This year will be better than last year. Next year will be even better. Ten years from now, you'll be stronger. You'll be forever young. You'll be, you will still be fighting the spiritual battle. You'll be like Caleb and Joshua saying, give me those hills. I know there's a giant there, but I will take on the giants. Age has nothing on you because the spirit of God is on you. That's the kind of faith that we, you and I, walk in. When Christ walks into our lives, he turns lack into overflow. Not just water into wine. He turns lack into overflow. Before I enter an application, let me, let me give you a further thought and deeper thought into that. Let, let's go to verse 9. Because it talks about a privilege of ministry. It's so hard to miss that privilege of ministry. Verse 9, this is what it says. When the master of the feast tasted the water now, became wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Do you know what the privilege of ministry is? You know the winemaker. You get to see the winemaker. Most of you probably in this room, you have been serving, you've served before, or you're serving right now. Thank you for serving. But it's not only our amen or our thank you to you, what you get is the privilege of just seeing the Lord and seeing the source of who makes the wine. Because, you know, even me, as I preached, right, I know I brought water. I mean, literally, I brought water, but my word and the preaching sermon itself was water. It cannot give life to anyone. It cannot do miracles. But as someone who delivers that message, as a servant who serves that water as Jesus has told me to serve, I can see it turning into wine in abundance and overflow. And that's a blessing that I get to share it as a communicator. And some of you walked in that many times as well in different capacities. The Pastor Tiffany and many worship team, you'd walk in a lot of, I know, I know, I think I know how much faith it takes every time. They make it easy, but it's not easy. They bring faith every time. They said, Lord, we're not prepared. Ooh, when we rehearse, I messed it up. She messed it up. Oh, Lord, is that going to work out? He was out of tune. She was out of tune. Both of them are out of tune. <laughs> so it's a weird tritone, and that's not what we want. What's happening here? And you bring faith, and you find yourself, wow. Christ just turned that into wine. The Spirit of God came and moved. And as someone who knew it was water, and you brought water, you meet the winemaker. The rest of you who are drinking that or, or tasting that, you don't have that privilege. So therefore, you know what we're going to do as a church from this Sunday? We're going to share all the ministries that are going on at Grace Covenant for many next weeks that's to come, many weeks to come. And you'll get the privilege of joining those ministries so that you could meet the winemaker in a deeper way. I want to challenge you to pray about that. And thank you for serving if you're serving already. And verse 11, furthermore, not only do you meet the winemaker, but your faith grows. Verse 11, thus, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and the disciples put their faith in him. You know one of the privileges, the other privilege of ministry is, is that your faith grows because you know you don't have enough. You know you lack. You know you cannot change people's lives. Therefore, you experience the God 
of the miracles. Let me give you an application of what we do with that and expand on that, and I'll close after that. What do we do with this? What do we do with this message? Okay, lack into overflow, that's great, Lord. How do we enter into that? How do we receive that and walk in that promise is obedience. Can you all say obedience? Obedience. Verse five, his mom said to his servants, I love how mamas talk. It's like, we don't have enough wine, son. And tells the servants, do what he tells you to do. Simple. The faith that Mary had. Oh my. What a faith Mary had. She knew this miracle is to come through obedience. You know how she knows? Because she birthed the miracle. And she knew it was through, it was through obedience. Because she got to stand before the, the, the angel of the Lord and says, I'm your servant, girl. You will be done to unto me as you desire. And she submitted to God. And she saw miracle happening. And the miracle walked on the earth every day of her life. She had that privilege. So she knew obedience will lead to miracles. You know, you know what the, one of the consequences of sin is? is? One of the consequences of sin is you get that mindset that is a mindset of scarcity. Mindset of lack. I'm going to say that again. One of the consequences of disobedience, if we keep disobeying God, one of the things that we find our soul, one of the things that we find within our soul is that we have a mindset of scarcity. Not of abundance, but of scarcity. We always think it's going to lack. This is what Michael Hyatt said about mindset, a scarcity mindset. I'm going to read it for you. Scarcity mindset says this. They believe that there will never be enough. Always not enough. They are stingy with their knowledge, context, and compassion. They're pessimistic about the future, believing that tough times are always ahead. They think small, avoid risk. They are entitled and fearful. Then how does abundant mindset sound like? They believe that there is more where that came from. Because your God is abundant. More where they came from. Because he's a creator. He could make it just like that. And they ask themselves, how can I give more than expected? Not how can I get by, but how can I bless them and be generous? They're optimistic, they're optimistic about the future, believing the best is yet to come. They think big, embrace risk. They are thankful and confident. I love it. Every Tuesday after staff meeting, Pastor Brett would say this, think big. Wow. I love that. That's a mindset. And he's speaking and sowing into, into us every week, every week. Think big. Think big, next generation, think big. Man of God, woman of God, think big, think big. Abundant mindset. Leviticus 26, 26 says this. When I break your supply of bread, so this is a consequence of disobedience. Ten women shall bake the bread in a single oven and shall doll out your bread again by weight and you shall eat and not be satisfied. Satisfaction comes through obedience. You and I, we're looking for satisfaction in every way. That only comes through obedience. Over time, disobedience only leads to a mindset of scarcity. It's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. And then one of the benefits of obedience is 
understanding. You get an overflow of understanding, not knowledge. I love what Seth Godin said. He's one of those scholars that I follow because he's, he has great understanding, insight into especially the education and the growth of the next generation. And this is what he said in his writing about Stop Stealing Dreams. When access to information was limited, we needed to load up students with facts. Now, when we have no scarcity of facts or the access to them, we need to load them with understanding. If we're looking for markers or leaders, we need better ones who have understanding. Isn't that true? Every knowledge that you and I need, you just need to Google it right now. It's not about knowing more, but we're still, most of us are stuck in growing next generation saying they got to know more. They got to be educated more. No, rather, why don't we go to God and say, Lord, they need wisdom. They need understanding. They need to learn to put the facts together and know what goes on. They need to know the wiring behind things. So they could lead and solve problems instead of just answering questions with the facts that they're engraved in. Because that's wisdom, isn't it? Because most of you know this. In your job, in your life, though some of you are uneducated in the worldly sense, you have wisdom. You solve problems. You have influence because you have wisdom. And you call wisdom your friend and sister. That's what we need for the next generation. Where does that come from? Abundance of understanding. It comes from obedience. You and I will never understand why God says what he says unless we obey him. Once we obey him, then we get to understand. But if you want to understand before you obey, you will never obey. You will never obey. You're like, God, once you make sense to me, I will obey you fully. And God's going... You never will. So you never will obey me. Well, once you obey, though you and I don't understand, then you get to experience the overflow of understanding. You go, God, whoa, you're amazing, God. And God's going, I know. You go, God, you are so big. And God's going, I've always been big. I'm glad you're catching up, son. I'm glad you're catching up, daughter. Why do we have a hard time obeying? Verse 4. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus is not, he, he's not exemplifying um, talking back to your mama. That's not what you should do. This is what he's saying. He's a, setting an example of obedience. Two things that we have a hard time when it comes to obedience. This is the reason, two reasons why we don't obey. Number one, flexibility. Jesus said, It's not my time. You know one of those days where you have your schedule fully booked up and your boss comes to you or your pastor comes to you and says, could you do this? And the stress level just goes from here to here because your life was already full and you had your schedule set. Pliability. That's why obedience is so hard. The other thing that Jesus says this, it's not my problem. It's not that not only not my hour, but it's not my problem. Obedience is hard because our heart is small. Our love is narrow, but once it gets bigger, obedience becomes easier. I'd like to lead you into a prayer as we close. Would you close your eyes? And this is what I would love for you and I to pray. It's number one, just a simple prayer. Lord, would you turn my lack 
into overflow. Whatever that lack might be right now in your life. Don't wait for the other moment or when you get home, but right now in this moment, just ask for that. In your spirit, in your soul, just ask for that. Ask for overflow. Let's press forward. Ask for overflow. Allow me to lead you into a deeper prayer. Is there any disobedience in your life? Can I encourage you to repent of that? Can we repent of any disobedience? Because that's the key that opens the heaven's door into overflow. Obedience. Obedience. So let's pray.